The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. We're visiting with State Senator Steve McClure about the Safety Act, and there's a town hall meeting. Um, what took so long? Why did this act not get legs until three weeks, although it's had legs now for a couple of months? What took so long, Senator? This thing was a bad situation. Did it take all these state's attorneys and judges and everybody to jump on board and bring it to people's attention? A lot of the state's attorneys had to start getting their offices ready for this to be implemented fully in January, January 1. Okay. And I think once that happened and it caught their attention in a way that has never caught their attention before because now it's becoming real, they were the ones, I agree, that brought this up and that made so much news out of this. Because it's not it's not a politician saying it, it's state's attorneys, it's law enforcement, um, and that, that makes a big difference. Okay, let's go back was this bill talked about, was this approach, the the bail or no bail or whatever, uh, was this bill talked about even as far back during the Rauner administration, or did it get life with the first year of the Pritzker administration? It was first discussed back in the Rauner days because Rauner did do criminal justice reforms okay. uh, involving bail so that people can be uh, locked up for a while, and then the longer that they stay in, they get some credit towards paying their bail, and then they get released. Okay. But things took the extreme turn under Governor Pritzker because it was the opportunity for the Democrats to, they've wanted to do it throughout the country for a long time, um, to finally be able to take over a state right in the heart of the Midwest and put in a policy that is one of these liberal goals that's been around for a long time that they've never been able to accomplish anywhere else. And so that's why we're here. It's uh, Governor Pritzker wants to run for president. And he wants to use Illinois to be this state to show that in the Midwest, we can be extremely liberal and that's going to help him get through a Democrat primary for president. So, so here we are. Was it, why did it have a lot of hearings? Were there a lot of discussion where people called in uh, and, and gave their opinions? Once the actual language of the bill was filed, 764 pages at 4.30 in the morning, I guess it would have been filed about 4 o'clock in the morning or 3.30. Um, we didn't have a, a single hearing, not a single hearing on the language of the bill. And so those people that voted on it didn't know what was in it. How did everybody, I mean, what about it? You being a former part of state's attorney's office, what concerns you, the top two or three or four things about this bill? Number one, the fact that you cannot detain people that intimidate witnesses pre-trial and Shootings are the biggest problem right now as far as unsolved crimes are concerned. And when somebody shoots, nobody wants to talk about it to the police because they don't want to be the next victim of the shooter. And so why on earth would you allow the shooters of the world, of the state, to run rampant while the victims have no defense until after the person's locked up, which can take years, and when you've got a victim that's too afraid to testify... The shooter does not get locked up because they've got no fear of a trial that's going to cause them to be found guilty because the the victim doesn't want to testify or the witnesses don't want to testify. So that's a big problem. But then also arson, burglary, there's a whole list. Um, There's all kinds of graphics that illustrate all the different crimes that a person can commit 
and they will not be detained in jail before trial. And um, it's just insane. The judge, the local judges need to be able to make the decision, and they need to be able to say, okay, you're a danger to the community. We're going to have to hold you in jail. Right now, this bill will strip that totally away from them. Is there any state in the union that has a bill that even close to resemble this legislation in Illinois? The most close uh, is in New Jersey. And what they did in New Jersey was they still have cash bail, but that's only if you miss court appearances and the judge is going to set, uh, you know, throw you in jail and say, okay, you're going to have to post some sort of bond to show that you're going to show back up in court. But before New Jersey did their bail reforms, what they did was they enacted all kinds of things to try to ensure that criminals would uh, show up and stay out of trouble. Uh, for example, they've got GPS electronic monitoring. Uh, in the state of Illinois, we don't have that. Uh, and they've got enough police officers to monitor these people that are on electronic monitoring. And if they leave their house on detention, guess what? They know exactly where they go and they, they act immediately. This bill, the Safety Act, makes it so that these people in our state that are accused of crimes, um, they've got monitoring on them. Uh, however, it's not GPS. So if someone leaves their house, they know they leave, they leave, excuse me, they leave their house. They don't know where they go. And you can't do anything about it until 48 hours after their violation. So think about that. You charge somebody with attempt murder. You say, okay, go home. You're on electronic monitoring. They go home and they're gone for 48 hours before police can do anything. And you don't have any way of knowing exactly where they are going. So New Jersey took all kinds of steps uh, to try to protect the public. In the state of Illinois, instead of trying to make people accountable for their crimes and maybe making innovative ways in which to monitor them and to ensure that they're not committing new crimes, they've basically just taken the gloves off and said, you know, have fun. You're going to get two days off to do whatever you want, wherever you want, including if you're uh, uh, accused of murder or any other horrific crime. If they choose, choose to put you on electronic monitoring at home, you got 48 hours, and then, they'll, and then they'll come after you after that, and they have no idea where you're going. This stuff does not make any sense. But even after New Jersey enacted these reforms with some protections for others, like the GPS monitoring, crime still went up among those people that were charged with offenses. They got charged with new crimes while they were released. Did this bill surface late in the session? You said 3.30 or so in the morning. Did everybody know it was coming? We knew negotiations were still ongoing, and I think when you get to about 4.30 in the morning, I think some people just throw their hands up and say, fine, I'll vote for it uh, because I'm sick and tired of this. I want to go home and sleep, and I think that's what happened with the final few votes. Remember, in the House, it only passed by one vote, and I think one of the big catalysts for this bill was the George Floyd event and all the protests and everything else. That was used as an opportunity by the people that have been wanting this bill for years to finally get it through. And there were lots of claims internally. I know this for a fact because I talked to some members of the Democrat caucus that if you don't vote for this, you're a racist or uh, things like that. And it's difficult for some people at 430 in the morning to take that. And they say, fine, I'll vote for your bill. And then there was all these promises that it was going to change. This is not the final version. And now here we are. It's very much the same bill that it was when it first passed. And it's about to be implemented. And a lot of people are waking up to the fact that the bill is insane. Okay, walk me through. Let's say at the Beto session there are some tweaks. I think they're going to be minimal at best, but there are some tweaks. If the governor doesn't agree with the tweaks, 
they have to override his veto even to implement the tweaks? That's correct. And we don't really know what tweaks the governor wants. He just says he wants tweaks in a generic way. Uh, I think he says that because of the fact that he's looking at the polling and people that are viewing the Safety Act, particularly downstate, are saying this stuff is crazy. Something's got to be done. And, you know, he needs to have a plan as to what to do. And it needs to be before the election so people know who they're voting for for governor and who they're voting for in these individual Senate and House races. He's not committed to doing that. That's troubling. Now, in in all, uh, and we asked her in studio, Doris Turner was not a member of the Senate when this vote was taken. Am I correct? That's correct. But she's been a big supporter, outspoken supporter, as a chairwoman for the Democratic Party of Sangamon County and as a public official. She's been very much in support of this bill. Uh, and she just got endorsed by Andy Menard, who voted for the bill. And if you look at what Doris has been involved with passing, she was a co-sponsor of the bill to legalize the criminal transmission of HIV. She was a co-sponsor of the bill to allow for lesser penalties for drug dealers. So this is not in a vacuum. This push for these extreme views as it comes uh, uh, to criminal law have been pushed since the beginning of Pritzker's administration. And he was releasing people, child murders that he pardoned, that outraged so many people that there was an international news story about it early on in his in his. Uh, time as governor. And so this is all part of this bigger uh, liberal agenda of being really easy on criminals and being really harsh on law enforcement. And guess what? As you know, Sam, crime is exploding, particularly murders in the state. It's not the right time to be supportive of criminals and go against law enforcement. I guess I'm going to ask, you've explained it, but I want you to hit it one more time, address it one more time. What took so long for the public to get engaged? What took so long for people? There are people concerned, and and you're not telling just war stories. You are uh, the, the the same stories and scenarios are coming from law enforcement, from judges, from states' attorneys. What took so long? Why wouldn't that the morning after this bill passed uh, both chambers that somebody shouldn't have been out there, but it just did it take time for, quote, certain groups like states' attorneys and so on to get it all together? Well, I think, number one, when it first passed, it was so late in the morning that, or early in the morning that all the new newscasts were done. The 10 o'clock news was over, the 6 o'clock news was over, and people tend to, once we leave, spring, leave the Capitol, stop caring about what happened because, oh, it's over with. When it's an ongoing news story, then there's live coverage and everything else, but once you miss all those important news times, it doesn't get the same coverage. Now, you had me on pretty much right after this pass, so you're one of the few that's covered this from the beginning, Sam. However, the problem has been over the last few months, the state's attorneys and the sheriffs have had to prepare for January 1 because you can't just wake up January 1 and flip the switch. You've got to get prepared for it months in advance. As the state's attorneys and sheriffs were getting prepared for this and it became more real, they delved into this 674 pages and, uh, excuse me, 764 pages, and they said, oh, my goodness, this is insane. And so it's really the state's attorneys and the sheriffs I credit for really uh, going through this. And they're seen, you know, they're treated by voters as being independent of the political process. And I think voters trust them a lot more than they trust the governor or politicians and senators. And them having to be prepared for this bill January 1, I think that's what's caused all of a sudden the news stories and the fact that the public is really taking this very seriously. It appears to me the supporters of the bill... Uh, are claiming that the opponents of the bill are 
exaggerating, saying things that are not true, scare tactics, trying to scare the hell out of people, saying stuff. And, and that's what they keep saying. I haven't heard exactly what they mean by that, what is being said that is not true. Is that going to be the defense that, that you folks who are concerned about this as a senator, as Republicans, uh, some Democrats who obviously voted against this bill, both in the Senate and the House, uh, it only passed by one. We know the number, the overwhelming support, the numbers in the House and Senate, and in the House it only passed by one vote. Um, is that the defense they're going to use, that you folks are exaggerating and dramatizing this and, and whoa, the sky is falling if this becomes law? Uh, yeah, that's that tends to be what happens. Uh, you know, if the law is on your side, you argue the law. If the facts are on your side, you argue the facts. And if neither is on your side, you call people names. And so they say we're lying. Uh, they say we're exaggerating, scare tactics. But the latest thing is now everyone's racist unless you support this bill, which is insane because if you look at New Jersey, the racial demographics of those people that were, even after massive bail reforms, were, stayed the same. So it's really not even a racial argument that they can make with any facts to support it. It's just name-calling to try to intimidate people to support this bill and try to intimidate the press not to cover this bill because nobody wants to be called a racist, for goodness sakes. And when you start calling people names, you scare people away from talking about issues, and that's what they want to do. They don't want people to talk about the bill. They don't want people to talk about the substance of the bill. They just want to call people names and scare them away from talking about it. But I'm not afraid to talk about it. I've had my life threatened by people uh, as a prosecutor, and so certainly I'm not afraid of somebody calling me names. Is this going to be the new, and we've heard it so long, if I disagree with you and you happen to be a person of color, then I'm a racist. Uh, and, and I think that is a very dangerous road to go down. We can disagree. We can disagree, but it has nothing to do with the color of our skin. I don't understand, and yet that seems to be... I've always thought about race. Somebody call, If somebody's called me a racist, it only bothers me if I am one, and I know I'm not. So I, they could call me whatever they want. They can say he's a racist on that morning show and so on and so forth. No, I know I'm not. In my heart, I know I'm not. So I, I, those people have no credibility as far as I'm concerned. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. I agree. And, and the thing about it is that real racism does exist. Sure does. So when you have somebody that, that when you have politicians that cry wolf like that, it hurts the people that are really experiencing racism because now people roll their eyes and say, oh, my goodness, okay, it's racism again. We have to take racism very seriously, but this is a bill that doesn't involve race. This, is, this involves public safety. And guess who the, the people that are going to be hurt by this the most? People in minority communities where crime is rampant. They are not going to have the defense that this state needs to provide them against people that are very dangerous, and that's really sad. And you think, again, you are thoroughly convinced that this is a piece of legislation that if, in fact, the governor opts to seek uh, the nomination for his party's presidency two years from now, that he will showcase this as the way you can get it done, even in the heartland of America, in the Midwest, and so on and so forth. That's right. And that seems to be what his policies are targeting, a Democrat primary for president, including abortion up to the moment of birth, including the most crazy criminal laws that there are in the country. It doesn't matter what the results are. He just wants to tout the policies in a Democratic primary. And guess what? Our state deserves better than that. But, Senator, I think he's well-liked. I, I think he, they not necessarily agree with his policies, but I think they're, now again, I'm not going to say Sangamon County South. I understand the feelings there. I can read the signs in the yard 
uh, a lot of places south of here. But I think he is well liked. I'm not. Maybe they have separated the person from the policies. I, you know, Governor Pritzker. I get along really well with him personally. Um, I never take anything personally, and I don't attack someone personally in politics. And you have to separate the person from the politics. But uh, when you spend thirty-eight million bucks in the last three months or whatever it's been, uh, telling everybody how wonderful you are, uh, that tends to affect public opinion. And people say, "Oh, that's a wonderful person," because you're seeing these ads. He's a very nice person, one on one, and I like him personally. But his policies are nuts. If you could have chosen the Republican nominee for governor, and I understand <laughs> Darren Bailey has a devoted group of supporters and so on and so forth, but he's going to have a very difficult time winning this election. I think it goes without saying for a number of reasons and so on. Philosophically, geographically, experience. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a name out there and you can react and, and not, how credible a candidate would Kirk Dillard have been? I think Kirk would have done a great job running for governor. I think it would have been a, I mean, I think he could have won the race. Are, are we going to, are Republicans, and I'll, you know, vote primary in the Republican, as you know. I don't do that in general, um, all over the ballot. But but in a primary election, um, if this election comes out within 10 to 12 points, are Republicans going to wake up the next morning and said? wow, we had a shot to beat an incumbent governor. Yes, I think so. Um, but we'll see what happens. And um, You think it's going to be closer than the polls are showing? So one of the things that people are talking about is the fact that a lot of Republicans tend to not be um, answering one way or the other when a pollster calls I understand. Them. So I think it's very possible that the numbers could be closer than they, they, they show right now. But it's really kind of an unknown. And... Uh, uh, I think it comes down to organization, and I, I think that Republicans need to get organized now uh, because it's going to be too late uh, after the election. Keenan Gilpin, one minute, my friend. Paul Packhoffer said, if, in fact, the Republican, the Democrats run the table and they may can veto-proof majorities in the House and Senate and they win all six offices and they win fairly easily and this law goes into effect with very little change come January one. Paul Packelhofer said we are the bluest, or uh, Illinois is the bluest of blue states. Would you agree with that? No. Um, in fact, I mean, even polling that I'm seeing for Governor Pritzker doesn't have him above 50%. So when you've got, you know, half the state not voting for you, I wouldn't consider that to be some sort of a, a great blue state. I believe we're going to pick up seats in the Senate. Okay. And I've seen polling that that's going to, uh, I think, surprise a lot of people come November. Uh, I, the House people tell me that they're going to pick up seats in the House that are Republican seats. So if we make gains in the Senate, we make gains in the House, even if we lose uh, seats uh, or, excuse me, lose all the statewide uh, races, we're still going to be in better shape. We just have to make strides towards a better path instead of uh, going through election after election where Republicans are losing. Let me say good morning, uh, and then we're going to talk about the town hall meeting that is coming up, and you want people to know about there are a lot of talk about suburban women and the vote and is the abortion issue going to be the big issue and it's going to have an effect with some but i really think that moms suburban moms downstate moms city of chicago moms i think number one issue is safety for their family 
they have men might be a little different on that subject and i say that respectfully but women really are concerned about i think crime and safety in the streets now they may advocate for more gun control i understand they may have a lot of solutions but i really think i think this is going to be the number one issue this crime this safety bill act that's going to come into legislation it has proven that uh and and i think one of the reasons Senator, is the fact that it is getting bipartisan criticism. It's that's not a political issue. It's not just a white issue. It is an issue that crosses racial lines, political lines, social e- economic lines, and so on. You got a town hall coming up. What's that all about? That's right. So tomorrow night, uh, 6 p.m., free and open to the public, is a town hall with Sheriff Jack Campbell, myself, Representative Sandy Hamilton. State's Attorney Dan Wright, and State's Attorney Gray Knoll from Morgan County. And really, we're just going to, I'll do a brief introduction, and then we're going to open up to questions. And we're going to be able to have our staff there and law enforcement experts there to give people the answers as to what's in the Safety Act. And maybe some people will be supportive of the Safety Act. They want to talk to me. Or maybe people want to criticize it or just ask questions as to what's in it. And that's what we're going to be there to do is to to let people know what the truth is about the act. This is not a political event. Um, as you know, Sam, I'm, I'm not opposed in my bid for re-election here, so I've got no opponent. I just want to get the facts out, and I'm sick and tired of uh, people spinning this in a way that's not accurate. I think people deserve to know what's in this bill, and that's, what we're, that's why we're having the town hall. And public's invited. Where's it going to be at? Piper Glen Golf uh, Course in Springfield, and the public is invited, absolutely. And what time does it start? 6 p.m. 6 p.m. tomorrow night. Any questions you have about this bill? If you have a question, a comment, a concern, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, whether you support the bill or against the bill, if you have a question, if you think people are being misled uh, by the critics of the bill, come out and, and express your opinion. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Sam. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.